Welcome to SIN 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Matthew, how are you today, man? I'm doing well, doing well. Are you doing all the things that you can take care of yourself so you can keep up this hectic pace that you're trying to keep? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually taking the day off today, so that's good. See, nice. this is what's beautiful, Robert, about Matthew taking a day off. He's here. <laughs> it's not the kind of day I take off. <laughs> no, but he's got this He's got this incredible ability to think this is fun and oh, fulfilling great. and all of that stuff. It absolutely so, is. But he yeah. does other stuff too, and he has taken a day off just to hang out with us. Thank you, Matthew. Yes. Kind of like Robert Herber has. So Robert Herber, here let me tell you, this is a brother that I love. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him. But what he did today is like, let's see, in between international travel, football games, graduate graduations and all the things that a senior pastor of a very active church does. Oh yeah, sure, I can make it. I'll come down and record today. Thank you, Robert. Well, it's a pleasure, yeah. Kevin. We're grateful. High capacity. You know, Robert, we, we talk a lot about Foothills because this is a ministry of Foothills Christian Church, but boy, when we connected with All People's Church, it was just immediate yep. unity, immediate brotherhood. We just love all people's church, yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. And I want I, people I to know about it. I couldn't be more thankful for Foothills. I couldn't respect you more, Kevin, and the way you serve not just a church so well, but a city and a region so well and make us feel wanted and valued and do everything you can to launch us. But the same with David Hoffman, Mark Hoffman, Neil Hoffman, these guys have just been my big brothers, and I am so grateful. Tell us a little bit about All People so they'll have a little bit of the flavor. I want them to know where you play, what your family <laughs> looks like. Well, the reason we're called All Peoples is out of Genesis chapter 12, where God tells Abraham to go on a journey, and he says, All peoples, which is another word for all nations, will be blessed yeah. through you. And then also from Matthew 24, 14, where it says in this gospel we preached into all peoples or all yeah. nations is a testimony. So we believe that the church should be about all peoples. And then that doesn't just go to all nations, it goes to all peoples in a city. So we're a multi-ethnic church in the heart of the city. We came from Texas, there was a tiny team of us. Embarrassingly, Kevin, I hate to say this, but this will show you what a Texan I was. <laughs> and I stress the word I was because we absolutely claim California now. I'm okay. never going back. I love this place. My kids have long hair and surf. We and, gotcha. <laughs> but I didn't know where San Diego was. I actually had to pick up my globe when the Holy Spirit spoke San Diego. But I love this place. <laughs> That's great. And we have, last count, over 50 nations represented in the church, rich and poor, oh, and just, it's a, we call it a beautiful mess, and really have a heart for winning people to the Lord, discipling them, training them, and then we have these schools in which we train people to go plant churches around the world. Yeah. So now we're planting churches. By God's grace, our churches are planting churches, and hmm. so we're distributed down through Mexico into South America, into Africa, into the Middle East, up into Europe, into... Southeast Asia, we, f we feel called to plant in every nation of the world. Right on. Uh, yeah, I was looking at the list, and I don't know if it's current. My website isn't always current, but it's all over the place. There are, there are places I didn't even know that they were places <laughs> that you guys are at, and that's so exciting. Oh, praise God. He's good, and only he can do it. 
Yeah. How did it all start? How did the Lord capture you? And how did you end up planting a church of planting churches? Right. Well, hopefully there's some Christian parents listening. And first of all, just a shout out to Christian parents. Even this thought of doing a parachute drop, of landing in a city where you know no one, and starting something from nothing. I learned that from my great grandfather, <laughs> who was an orphan. And instead of just thinking that a system should take care of him, he made some big risks and went to a city and decided to take care of people. And that led to going from an, a poor orphan to his son becoming the mayor of his city. <laughs> wow. And seeing yeah. what his orphan wow. father did, my grandfather took a big piece of land and gave away more than he kept and started a Texas Baptist children's home. Right. So really, I'm just a product of generations of learning. Hmm. Sadly, I rebelled because I was more in a traditional church. I'm thankful for the church, Kevin, because it taught me the Word of God. However, it was not like Foothills, which embraces the power of the Spirit and believes that you can hear the voice of the Lord. And so it was lacking for me. I'm a passionate person. I like risk. I want to be Indiana Jones for Jesus. And so sitting in, a, in the pews as a frozen chosen didn't work for me. So beer commercials looked fun. And partying looked fun, which maybe eventually we'll talk about a book I wrote called yep. Partying God. I would. And so it just didn't work for me. The problem is, Kevin, I was a horrible partier because I was saved. And so you have the Holy Spirit in you convicting you. I was a horrible Christian because to me, Christianity was boring, so I was a partier. So I was a bad partier and a bad Christian. It's a miserable, <laughs> yeah. miserable place to live. Yeah. I got to college, and I met a young woman, and she did not have all the things that the world says you need to have. She wasn't the most beautiful young woman. She didn't have the nice car. She drove a beat-up, rusted minivan. Her parents were getting a divorce at the time. She didn't wear the coolest clothes. She wasn't in the coolest dorm, and yet I have never been so jealous of someone. When you looked at her, she shined. She radiated joy and peace. And here I was, I showed up in the nicest sports car, my family owned car dealerships. I joined, quote unquote, the top fraternity. I was dating this beautiful girl and I was just empty as can be as a Christian, sadly. Yeah. I asked this girl, what makes you tick? Why are you so happy all the time? And she just said, Robert, I have so many problems in life. I wouldn't be happy, but I walk with the Holy Spirit moment by moment. <laughs> and I thought, okay, I've never met an 18-year-old like this. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was in love with Jesus. I asked her to do something. Please don't do this. If you're a guy, ask this girl to mentor me. <laughs> and she was wise about it. You should make sure we were in public places. But she, she just started talking to me about walking with Jesus. She talked about hearing his voice, feeling his physical presence, experiencing his power. She was a part of a charismatic group, which I was against, but I couldn't refute the joy, but also the testimonies they had. Yeah, They came back, there was a, a 250 college students that went to Mexico. Kevin, they came back talking about seeing people come to Jesus. I've been on a mission trip. We might have a third grader rededicate their life to the Lord. It was just all about <laughs> paint a building that's been painted five times. So, no, they were on the street sharing the gospel. They talked about miracles, like actually seeing <laughs> arms snap back into place, Wow, ears opening up that were deaf. I went on that trip, Kevin. I heard about the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I heard about that we need to stop resisting God, humble ourselves. I ran forward in a ministry time. I know you guys have that at Foothills. I got on my knees. I repented of being such a self-made man. I started crying. I hadn't cried in years. This fiery little Asian woman comes up, puts her hand on my back, and the power of God starts shooting through me like bolts of Jesus. lightning. Amen. It was embarrassing. Wow. I was a snot cake on the ground. <laughs> but Kevin, I had never led anyone to the Lord in my life. And I'd certainly never seen someone get healed as I put my hands on. That night, I went on the street, saw the most dramatic miracle of a hunchback having his back snap back into place, stand up, lift his hands. I turned to the people, a crowd had gathered around us because they saw his body transformed, started sharing the gospel one after another, started getting saved. <laughs> Kevin, it was wow. like I stepped into the Bible Amen. at that moment. And honestly, from that point, it hadn't been easy. It hadn't been perfect. But I just said, I'm never going back. Yeah, I want to walk out the book of Acts. Yeah. And so Amen. that's really the genesis of my story and I'd probably even say of all peoples, I ended up in a great church, discipled by some great men of God, and eventually they sent me out here to launch this, and now they've blessed us to become our own movement of churches. Wow. That's incredible. And the thing is, we can go a bunch of different directions yeah. from there, but I'll tell you something. You, and I think you have an event, it's probably a regular event with you guys, but you have a thing called Power and Love mm -hmm. coming up. It's about evangelism, right? Right. And, and that's it. That's that combination. I remember when I came to a, a luncheon that you gave for area pastors, and I'm a Francis Chan mm -hmm. geek. I love his stuff. I love his heart. I love the challenge that his testimony speaks to my life, like Keith Green did when I was much younger. Yeah. And so he turned in that when he was presenting to us, and he looked me in the eye and did not know me, but I'm taking this as a personal communication to Kevin Miller from Francis Chan and apologized to me for making fun of charismatics. Mm, wow. And he had been to all these mission trips and he's just on fire mm -hmm, for God and mm -hmm. has been long before he got baptized in the mm -hmm, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But when he did yeah. get baptized in the Holy Spirit, yeah. <laughs> the power right. that connected with the love, yes. which yeah. is what compels us to go reach these people. God loved us first, now go love them. And so that is something. How does that power and love event, what do you do? Is that a training session or what do you do with power and love? What's that mean to you? Oh, we just have, I actually just got off the phone with him. I have a wonderful 80-year-old. And so he's a prototype of what we would believe for, that people don't just retire, they refire. Amen. Wonderful 80-year-old named John Pacilio, who teamed up with a, a guy in his late 20s, who's now one of our global workers serving the Middle East. And they said, let's get together and just train people how to go to the streets and just love people. I believe in every style of evangelism. I love what Paul says in Philippians. He's like, I rejoice with however the gospel's preached. <laughs> he says kids. even false motives are true. That's I right. mean, that's what that's Paul right. says. He so. Did. Kevin, my style is not an in-your-face confrontational evangelism. That's just not me. I'm I'm a party guy. I love to put a smile on people's face. I love to to remember their name and make them feel loved. I'll give them a hug if I can. That's my style. Yeah. And so that's a little more the outflow of our church is, hey, let's talk to people. Let's see if they need a miracle. Let's pray. They don't always happen when we pray. But what we like to say is you swing it at enough pitches, you're eventually yeah. going to hit a home run. You hear that, San Diego Padres? You hear that? <laughs> and so anyway, oh, we love to go out. We'll, if someone's on the street, we'll buy them a hot dog or give them a food. We'll ask them how we can pray for them. We'll look for, we'll do what's called treasure hunting. That's pretty known from Bethel. We'll, we'll wait on God before we go out, write down any pertinent information, you know, guy with blonde hair and a blue shirt. 
and write it down. And then all of a sudden we see a guy with yeah. blonde hair and a blue shirt and run after him, even show him the thing. Yeah. Here it is. You could believe this or you can't believe this, but we felt like God said to pray for you. How can we pray for you? And so that's what we do. And when we do that, here's what I find. When you share the gospel, people get saved. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you don't, <laughs> <Yeah>. they don't. <laughs> hmm, I'll write that one down. You know, Robert, a month or two ago, uh, we've been working like you guys do with the homeless and seeing what we can do and sharing Jesus yeah. with them and just loving yeah. on them. And there was a guy who was a security guard in one of the safe parking lots by our church. And the Lord really put him on my heart. Mm. And so he told me, He'd been one step forward, two step back, yeah. just hard. You know, he yes. was homeless himself. He was living out of his van with his three dogs. And he said to me, this is the first time I've ever said this, but he said to me, I'm looking for a sign. Just that God exists, mm. that he wants to do something. I said, I'm your sign. Mm. I'm here. That's beautiful. Here we go. He sent me to you. That's beautiful. Let's go. <laughs> now he's living in a house. Come on. Doing better yeah. and going in the right direction. Visited the church a yeah. bit and that kind of thing. This is what's in it for me. This is what you bring out mm. in me. And I would love for you to flesh it out a little bit because this is an adventure. This is incredible. Seeing hunchbacks healed, and the lives changed forever. That's the people that come on this show. What stops people from diving into this and just can't get away from it? Mm -hmm. Because this is what we should all be doing. Mm -hmm. How we're built, how we do it. Some people that are confrontational, great. Be the confrontational yeah. one in love. Yeah. But how does that happen? Does that happen through getting a better understanding of it, having a revelation, discipleship? How do you take a person who's sitting on the couch and doesn't really want to, they say they love Jesus, but they're not experiencing or doing any of this. Mm -hmm. How do you make that happen? Well, that's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> yeah, but you've been doing it. You have, you've seen it happen. You're doing it at all uh -huh. people's. People going to their neighborhoods and all over the world. Well, yeah. Praise God. Yeah. The greatest of these is love. Mm. And we just have to keep coming back to that over and over again. I know that when I pray anything in accordance with God's will, I have what I ask for. Kevin, one of the biggest things I've done in my life is I've laid my hands on my heart and said, God, give me more love. Give yeah. me more love for you. Give me more love for people. I started praying because you hear these messages on evangelism and we should be sharing our faith. And then we just don't do it. And I started just laying my hands on my heart. I'm a literal person. And saying, God, would you break my heart for the lost? Amen. Would you break my heart for the lost? So when I travel around and speak on sharing the gospel, that's what I'm praying. God, would you break my heart for the lost? And that started happening. I'll never forget walking into a Walmart to get some socks, getting to the middle of the building and starting to look around. And it was like I was seeing people through God's eyes, seeing families bickering, but realizing, oh, these are God's children, seeing people of all different ethnicities, not like me. And I actually started to cry. And I realized that day, okay, God's getting a hold of my heart for... Yeah. He's letting me feel his heart. I think if we felt his heart, and we started seeing every person the way he does. One of the biggest things I talk about at our church is everyone is under the lordship or mastership of one of two beings, either God or the devil. Every person has an eternal destination, either heaven or hell. And 
I don't want people to burn forever in hell. I believe in a real hell. Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Yeah. yeah. Right? I don't know that. Yeah. I try to say that all the time to Christians. Jesus talked about hell. And then you're like, that's horrible. That's awful. No. Whenever my boys, I have three boys that play sports, whenever we'd live in a place where we're playing ball and a ball runs out in the road, it's not mean when I yell, stop, you know, yeah. it, because I'm warning them of impending danger. I'm keeping them from losing their life. So it's right for us to warn people yeah. of hell. And when every cash register clerk that I come to, every waiter, waitress that I interact with, every homeless person on the street, every business interaction, and I'm seeing that person as an eternal being and realizing th these are just a few short fleeting moments we have on this earth, but this person's eternal. They're going to yeah. be in heaven or hell. It breaks my heart and it compels me to share Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then this thought of no one is impossible. Kevin, the guy who leads our food distribution ministry, powerful man, Phil Palmer, he was on the street, and now he's leading <laughs> our food distribution. He's discipling guys. He's amazing. Melanie, who leads our homeless outreach, she was in the gutter in Santia and on meth. And now she's you meet her, she's the stately 50-year-old woman who is leading our homeless outreach. And so no one's too far gone. Yeah. And I think sometimes we just think, oh, we put people in classifications. <laughs> that guy with tattoos all over his face, he'd never be interested in God. That person in the ditch, they've chosen that, they're too hard to reach. And that's just not what we've seen. Yeah. One of my most prolific church planners has tattoos from head to toe, and he's leading all people's Bali. He was the leader, not a gang member, a gang leader. Hmm. But man, those make great leaders in the nations. Yeah. <laughs> God can redeem and transform yeah, redemption. everything, including our lives, that we give to him. It's amazing, amazing what he will do. But we, he wants to partner with us, yeah. right? Hey, okay, so I want to talk about the party, God. But before we do, I'm intrigued by the five Ds. So you've okay. written three books, right? The five Ds, the party, God, and then changing the world through discipleship. Man. Is that right? Yeah, you know me better yeah. than I know myself. Yeah, Good. but no, it's those are just, I want to hear about them. So the five yeah. Ds, what are they? And tell me about that. Because we're going to have in the show notes that pe so Great. people can get those books. What I do is this. Anybody that wants one of these books, I'll give it to them for free while supplies last. So if I want them to know about <laughs> that's, these. That's kind. And I don't make any money on my books. The five Ds, I kept meeting Christians, and you've had this experience, where they say, you know, I've been in church for a long time. Pastor, I think I'm saved. And I'm just thinking, man, that is the most heartbreaking thing mm -hmm. for someone who's been in the church for years to think they're saved. And what I found out is they hadn't had that moment where they made a clear yeah. decision. And then so many Christians make a decision, but they think that they have to be a certain level of maturity or have cleaned up their lives enough to actually deserve baptism. <laughs> and then once they get baptized, then they kind of think, well, that's the end all, and they stay and stagnate, but they really need deliverance. They are sitting in our pews for years, but they're up to their eyeballs and internet pornography and have gambling problems. And I'm not a person who believes in sinless perfectionism. I think Paul says, I'm the chiefest of sinners. However, by God's grace, I'm free from sexual sin yeah. that plagued me as a young man. And I could line up 
dozens and dozens of men of God that are walking in complete freedom. Amen. But we can't be free unless we believe in it. That's right. Decision dunked. That's our colloquial word <laughs> okay. for baptism. Decision dunked, delivered, discipled, deployed. In Acts chapter 9, we have this crazy thing from this murderous, angry man named Saul to all of a sudden this loving, humble, preaching disciple maker named Paul Right. Yeah. in one chapter. Yeah. And as you study his life, he goes through these five steps, decision, dunked, delivered, discipled, and deployed. And we just believe that is the journey of growth for every believer, that they eventually are deployed as a missionary but we so often just think of, oh, well, there's a few people that live sold out lives in Kyrgyzstan. And we're like, no, God's sending missionaries into Amazon, not the Amazon. Well, the Amazon and Amazon. <laughs> Preach. Preach. God's sending, Target. God's yes. sending, yeah, <laughs> missionaries to Target groups and to Target. There and, you, uh, you know, Foothills is the best at this. We need to send them into politics. We need to send them into school, every sector of society, but every Christian should be a missionary. And so it's our growth path from making a clear decision, knowing you're saved, following in believer's baptism, going through healing and deliverance to actually be free from your sins yeah. and free from your trappings and live a victorious life to being discipled. Everyone is called to make disciples according to the Great Commission, and then everyone's called to actually be sent out That's to be right. a world changer. That would be a great book for someone who visited your church to get. Do you do that? That's what we do. That's what I thought, man. I, <laughs> I wrote it so that the second someone gets saved, we say, come up forward, and we put that book yeah. in their hands so they know the mm -hmm. path of yeah, transformation. absolutely. Right on. Okay, so that brings us to A Partying God. <laughs> so I want to know about that. It's a great title to a book. What does it mean? <laughs> As a traditional Christian, I'd hear pastors say, we should out be sharing. We should be doing evangelism. And in my mind, imagine someone at a party having fun, they're dancing, they're yelling, and a Christian walks in the party with a 20-pound Bible, comes, slams it on their head, and says, cut it out. With the, you know, the Christian looks like they've been sucking on a lemon. Cut it out. Come with me. Come sit next to me in my pew <laughs> and shape up. And stop having so much fun. That is sounds how, like a great strategy. That, that is how, but that is how I saw evangelism, yeah. and I think that's how many Christians see it. Yeah. And so, what I'm trying to help people understand is when Jesus talked about evangelism, Luke chapter 14. What's the story he paints? He paints the picture of this wealthy benefactor who has a huge party, a banquet, yeah. and says, "Send out people all over." One by one, people make excuses. They make excuses to not come to a party. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, listen, send out people to the ones that everyone's overlooking. Under the bridges, in the highways and byways, the crippled, the blamed, the poor, the ones that everyone's overlooked. I want my house full. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever, well, I know you have, because I've probably been there with you at some, we've been at some wealthy people's homes yep. up on the hill. They pull out the spread. They roll out the red carpet. It is such a blessing to have everything thought of and you're just lavished on. And what people don't realize is that is how Jesus paints the Father. Yeah. And the great culmination of all human history is a wedding banquet. Yeah, so as long as we're thinking just of an angry God who's trying to cut out your fun, 
Who wants to go out and yeah, tell that? Not a but bunch. if we realize, oh, it's passing out party invitations for eternity, it changes everything. Sure. Who doesn't want, who, yeah. what kid didn't want to show up at school with the party invitations to the amazing party and hand them to their friends? Yeah. And I that's how we need to see ourselves. Then you look at Luke chapter 15, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son. You know this, but in every instance at the end, yeah. they call their friends to come together and say, rejoice with me. Yeah. I found what was lost in the prodigal son. We look a lot at the reconnection of the father and son, but what we miss is the party where he says, yeah. kill the fattened calf. They, there's music, there's dancing. And what does he tell his son? This is the only time where you hear in scripture from my understanding, or just maybe there's another one. But what does Jesus say as he's painting the picture of the father? What does the father say to the bad-tempered older brother? He says, son, we had to celebrate. Mm. We have to celebrate. Yeah. Is that your view of God? That he has to celebrate? So that's so the idea good. of a parting God. I got to tell you, when I first got the revelation of that, it was years ago. And I had some friends that said, hey, Les has got really bad cancer and he's going to die. And you're friends with Les. I hadn't seen Les for a long time. Would you come over and make sure he's saved? And I go, mm. okay, I'll go sit with Les. And Les enjoyed life. And he was one of the most generous human beings that I'd ever met. And when I got there, I think if I recall right, he was on oxygen, smoking a cigar. <laughs> That's a really great combo. And yeah, he offered a cigar to me and I got to go back to work, smelling <laughs> like a cigar that can bring it down. And I said, Les, we had some talk and he was far along in cancer. And so we talked about old days and our friendship and stuff like that. And I go, Les, I got to tell you, one of the reasons I'm here, bro, is because these people that love you, they want to make sure you're saved. They want to know where you're going mm, if mm -hmm. and when you pass away. Mm. And he said, Kevin, he said, I once heard that God was having a party. And he said, I want to miss out on that. Oh, so I just said beautiful. yes to his invitation. Oh, beautiful. And I said, Les, that's better than bow your head, close your eyes, raise your hand, brother. I can't <laughs> tell you anything else, man. That's perfect. And he uh, passed away shortly thereafter, wow. and I'm out running trails with his son. Oh, and that's... it's just, that's it. God is different than a lot of us paint him to be. Well, I'm just a little frustrated that I didn't hear that story before I wrote the book. Well, Kevin, you know Kevin, what? I... Your next reprint. Your next <laughs> reprint. Is... Yeah. The Parting God Part 2, that is going to be the seminal story, brother. Okay, very, very good. Tell me about this final book. I don't know if it was the first or the third, but tell me about, because I've got a feeling, when we talk about First Peter 3.15, we talk about set aside Christ in your heart as Lord. That's discipleship. Mm -hmm. And that can take place like at Youth Venture. We start discipling before they get yes. saved. Yes. Oh, absolutely. You know? That's what Jesus did. Yeah. There we go. People For say, Robert, you talk about discipling non Christians. Where is that? And I'm like, well, all the disciples weren't <laughs> I, Christians. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the, exactly the truth. And I think that's part of it because I think that might be the key for people getting engaged, finding this love that God's got and acquiring that love. For the lost, I think it comes through some form of discipleship where you're really serious about it. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? When I talk about discipleship, this is where I get pretty black and white with a, a very narrow definition of it. Okay. Because churches talk about this program for discipleship, or I'm doing discipleship through my sermon. And yes, I get that everything is meant to train us. Okay. For godliness. 
But Jesus' discipleship was actually life on life, one-on-one, one-on-three, one-on-twelve, intentional investment in men. Well, and some would argue women, and I'm great with that as well. I believe discipleship is investment, intentional investment in people. So we actually make disciples. So I had a older guy come and say, Robert, you want to change your campus, but will you do what Jesus did? Most people say, we want to change the campus. So I've been involved in all these big groups, done this big concert type thing. The next day, no one was different. But he said, would you actually almost neglect the masses to focus on a few like Jesus did and pour, live your life with them so that they see your values and they take in your values? We talk about three prongs of discipleship that Jesus did. Look up, look out, and look in. Or look up, look in, look out. Okay. What is that? The first thing that this guy that discipled me did is he trained me how to spend daily time with Jesus. We all talk about prayer life. We all talk about studying the Bible. He did it every day. And so he was determined to help me do that. And that's, I never miss a day of spending time with Jesus. It's not out of religion. It's, that's my lifeline, but I needed to be trained. So he actually taught me simple ways to study the Bible, simple models of prayer, simple way to listen to the Lord. And so that's look up. What's look in? Look in is actually where Jesus is going through the Sermon on the Mount and saying, hey, does your life line up with my teachings? And so he'd keep the disciples accountable and they'd actually confess your sins. And so that is that real accountability time of actually saying, okay, how is my financial life? How does my sexual life? How does my, my family life? How is that lining up? with with the teachings of Jesus, and then finally look out. Am I sharing the gospel? Do I have what I call VIPs? I actually keep a list on my phone of the people that I meet that don't know Jesus that I'm building a relationship with, so I can pray for them. I write down their names, I write down descriptions about them, and I keep, I could show you on my phone my, my list from the YMCA. That's my main fishing pond. The guy who discipled me, just quick story, you're going to love this, Kevin. He took me to Chili's. So we're spending one-on-one time together. His name was Mark Masterson. And the waitress walks up to the table and she goes, hi guys, how are you doing? We, we say hi. And then she goes, what can I get you to drink? He looks at her and he says this, do you have any kegs? And I am horrified. He goes, yeah, if you just put a keg here, put the nozzle right in my mouth so I can just drain it. And she's looking at him like he's crazy. I'm looking at him like yeah, he's crazy. So am I right now. Kevin, then he goes, just kidding. We're Christians. We don't do this. And I'm going, oh my <laughs> gosh, that was the most horrible. And then he goes like this. He says, Kevin, he goes, so how can we pray for you? We love Jesus. We believe he answers prayers. Yeah, right on. And wow. I'm, I am going, that was the worst <laughs> intro line to we're Christians and how can we pray for you? But oh she gosh. sees the kindness in his eyes. She opens up to oh him, Kevin, of pours out what's important to her. Next thing I know, we're praying for her at the table, and he's sharing the gospel with yes. her. Right on. Yes. You know what I decided that moment? You wanted a keg. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought that was the worst intro line in history. Certainly, I can do a little better. Yeah, yeah. there you go. That. There you go. The bar is so low. But it taught me to ask people how I can pray for them. Yeah. yeah. Just to start asking... By God's grace, 
I've led hundreds of people to the Lord. The people next to me on the plane ride by, my Uber driver, the cashier, the kids that I'm talking to on my walk in the park, rich to poor, young to old, just by learning from Mark to just boldly ask people how to pray for him. Yeah. He was discipling me. So what is discipleship? Discipleship is a person who's just a little more mature in the faith. I guarantee you, every listener of this podcast is more mature than someone. That's for sure. Yep. <laughs> so it's just every believer finding someone just a little less mature and pouring into their life, teaching them three things. To look up, how do you spend daily time with God? To look in, how do we start lining up our life with the teachings of Jesus? And to look out, to share the gospel, and then to make disciples. That, for me, yep. is discipleship. Life on life. Every person having one to three people they're investing in. Right on. Okay, so tell me, right now, I'm compelled to ask you, what is the Lord saying to you, like, right now, today, where you're at right now? What are you hearing from Him? What's on your heart? What are you going to be writing this next sermon about? Well, if you really want to know, if I'm just honest to just tell you what's on my heart, tonight, I'm flying down to South Mexico. It's where the migrants are coming up from South America. They're riding this awful cargo train called the Beast, and they're getting off, and we're going to be giving them food. Wow. We're going to be washing their feet, and we're planting a church right by the train tracks. But the main thing on my heart is I'm taking my kids. Mm. Oh, I'm my taking God. my 19-year-old, my 18-year-old, my 16-year-old, my 14-year-old. Yes. And the main thing I'm praying, my, by God's grace, all my kids love Jesus. They're not rebelling. They're walking with the Lord. I want to see them get even more passionate. So I asked a group of people yesterday, this is what I'm going to ask my prayer team tonight, pray that God breaks my kids' heart even more for the broken, the poor, and the lost, and pray that he opens their eyes even more for a passion for the church. Maybe that's what I'd want people to know more than anything. Let's bring people along with us. Let's bring our kids along. I'm tired of pastor's kids getting picked off. Yeah. So yeah. this isn't all I do. I was at the gym with my three boys last night. We have a lot of fun as well. But the biggest thing on my heart right now is the next generation. Yeah. Seeing sure. it and getting to do it and being a part of it. And that's why I'm taking my team is my kids and my future church planner. That's who's going tonight. Man, I'm so, so. excited. You know what? I want to pray for you right Thank now you, and you going down, but then I want you to pray for the people that are listening because mm. what I found from the people that text me and call me and are blown away by the conversation that they heard is that there's a special power and anointing mm -hmm. when someone who God has deposited something in Praise for other people. You know what I'm saying? Mm, There's course. a faith for it. So oh, I've asked so many people to lay hands on me, and every time yeah. I see someone that's walking in something or moving in power, I'm, yeah. pray for me, lay hands on me. I'll take it from yeah. anyone. Absolutely. Know? Okay. Father, I pray for my brother Robert. I just thank you that he spent some time with us. It's so, so short, but Father, it's so, so full. And so, Father, I ask that this experience in Mexico is extraordinary. Like it was with 14-year-old Isaac when he preached to 1,500 African kids. Would it be like that? It changed his life forever. Would you do for my brother and his sons what you did for Isaac? Would you just change the depth mm. and the power mm. of their love? And Father, would you show them the fruit of obedience and how you back us when we step into what you call us to do? Would you do that in Jesus' name? 
Lord, I'm just so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful for this podcast, for Kevin's heart and what they're doing through this and continue to strengthen him and Foothills Church for that incredible work that you've called them to. But Lord, I want to pray specifically for the listeners. These are your shining ones, your bright ones, your on fire ones, if they're listening to this kind of podcast. And I want them to feel so encouraged that what you've already done to just make them want to listen to this, they could be listening. There's, I don't how many million podcasts are there, but this is what they're choosing to listen to. That's awesome. So these are awesome people with awesome passions and desires. Lord, first of all, overwhelm them with your love. We all need a greater revelation of your love for us. We need that more than anything because love is the greatest of these. And if your love overwhelms us and drenches us, it will overflow to others. And so let them know how much you love them. Break their hearts for the lost, the poor, the broken, and compel us by love to just open our mouths and just say something, even if it's just high. It can change people's lives. I pray an anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by might. It's not by wise and persuasive words, but it's by your Holy Spirit on us. So fill them, overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit to be your loving witnesses to a hurting and broken world, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.